We all ask questions. Why is the sky blue? What happened to all the dinosaurs? What was the best thing before sliced bread? But some questions are more important than others. How do I forgive someone even when I feel like I can't? What's my purpose in life? How can I be the parent God wants me to be and the one my kids need me to be? So where do we turn? To the one that has all the answers. We'll tackle some of life's most complex issues and discover God's best plan. Why? Because you asked for it. Good morning. You asked for it, and we are here this morning. I want to welcome you to City Church today. If you're here for the very first time, we are really honored that you are with us today. Hey, uh, Easter, we had an incredible time here at City Church. First time in our church's history that we broke 2,000 on a weekend attendance, and it was incredible. If you were here, you remember it was just the services were packed. God did a great work, and we're thankful for that. But we asked the question. We asked the question, what would you like to hear us preach about? And so many, many responded. I don't know how many responded, but many. I'll just throw that out there. Many responded. And we got like the top six or seven things that people requested that we would talk about. And you know what the number one one was? The number one thing that people asked us to speak on was how to pray. How do I pray? And so I thought that's a great way to start because you know what? We were created to be people who have a relationship with the God who made us in his image. And so this morning, I'm going to talk to you about prayer. Now, I'm not an expert on prayer. Uh, I do know how to pray. I've prayed for uh, many, many years. As a matter of fact, every student that's still in school today, they've learned how to pray. <laughs> because every time a test comes around, they're praying, God, right? God, save me. God, help me. But... But as a believer, as a Christ follower, it's not something that's just naturally that comes to us. As a matter of fact, I remember very specifically asking the Lord, Lord, how do I pray? And uh, for the last 31 years, I've been on a journey of learning how to pray, learning how to communicate, learning how to talk to God, learning how to deepen my relationship with Him. And we're going to take you on a journey this morning. I got 31 years of life experience of prayer, and I'm going to wrap it into 35 minutes this morning. I'm not an expert on prayer, but this is what I know. I know that every time that prayer is tried, it works. Every time that prayer is tried, it works. I heard a story recently about an atheist who flew to Alaska. He was a wealthy businessman. He went up there, and he decided to take a little nature tour. So he was walking out in the great Alaska front west and admiring the beauty, admiring the creation. And all of a sudden, he hears this grunting noise behind him. And it's a giant 13-foot Kodiak bear. And this bear is just breathing down his neck. At that very moment, he decides that maybe he needs to learn how to pray. And so he calls out. He says, God, help me. And at that very moment, I mean, everything stops. I mean, the wind stops. The bear stops. Everything is like in freeze frame. And a voice cries out from heaven. And it says, you denied me all these years. You've taught other people that I don't exist. And you believe that all this came from nothing. And now you want me to save you? Are, am I to count you as one of my followers? Uh, immediately, the, the atheist responds back. He says, God, I know it would be hypocritical for you to, to save me at this time or make me a believer at this time. But the least you can do is turn that bear into a Christian. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, this bear folds his hands together, 
gets down on one knee and he says in audible English, God, thank you for this meal that you prepared for me. <laughs> Coincidence, right? Coincidence. Archbishop from England one time said, it's amazing what happens. It's amazing the coincidences that take place in people's lives when they start to pray. Bill Hybels in his book, Too Busy Not to Pray, does a great little introduction on prayer. He actually says, prayer is alien to the proud human nature. Yet somewhere, someplace, we all reach the point of falling on our knees and bowing on our heads and fix our attention on God and pray prayer this mysterious thing called prayer i'm going to have you look at two passages of scripture this morning the first one is found in luke's gospel chapter 11 we're going to read a couple of verses and then we're going to turn to matthew's gospel chapter 6 and we're actually going to do a little experiment experiment this morning we're actually going to pray during my message so this is going to be an interactive message you're not just going to see you're not just going to hear you're actually going to practice several times through the message we're going to take a little pause and we're going to learn to pray and when you came in this morning everyone that came in today should have got a little prayer card like this if you did not get a prayer card like this hopefully ushers uh, you guys have some of those ready to go this morning all right if you did not get a prayer card like this i want everyone to have one of these because it's going to be really really helpful for you this morning it's to be really helpful for you this morning just keep your hands up just for a moment as the ushers get the prayer cards luke's gospel chapter 11 we're going to read verse number one and as we do here at city church we stand in the honor of reading god's word so whether you have your bible you read your bible on your phone i want us all to stand together this morning luke's gospel chapter 11 and verses one through three and then we're going to go over to matthew chapter six and we're going to read the lord's prayer you know it's amazing to me it's amazing to me the disciples spent three years with Jesus. They are in the middle of Jesus' ministry, and they've seen phenomenal things. They've seen miracles. They've seen blinded eyes open. They've seen, they've seen multitudes of people fed. They've, they've seen multitudes of people, large gatherings of people. They've seen the wind stop. They've seen Jesus' controlled nature. I, I mean, you would think these guys being around Jesus, you know, they would, they would have a question like, uh, Jesus, can you teach us how to work miracles? Or Jesus, can you teach us how to organize the church or organize the crowd? That's not what they ask. That's not the first question that they asked Jesus. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, verse number 1. And the Bible says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. I want you to see this this morning. Jesus was praying. Jesus, being God in human skin, who walked among us, needed to pray. And the Bible says Jesus was praying. And when he ceased, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Say that with me. Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, so he said to them, when you pray, say, when you pray, say, now I want you to turn to Matthew's gospel, chapter six. Many of you know this from a child. It's called the Lord's, Lord's prayer, but more importantly, probably more properly, it should be titled the disciples prayer. Let's say this together. Come on, let's say it on, on the screen. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning, I want to speak to you and I want to speak to you on the topic, how to pray, how to pray. Let's pray. Lord, in this very moment, Thank you for that amazing time of worship where we encountered your presence. Lord, we're people of the spirit and our spirit wore, bit, wore witness with your spirit today that you were here. And I thank you for that work that you're doing in our lives. But now we have ears open to hear the truth. And I thank you, Lord, that it's the truth that sets us free. I thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in our lives, that you brought us together here this first service. And God, I pray blessing on this first service. I thank you that you're the God that brings increase, Lord. And for the families whose children have gone back to school this week, I thank you for your continued protection and grace and favor upon them. Lord, we ask right now in the next few moments that the words that I speak would not be my words, but truly they'd be words that you've imparted into my heart so that they hear as when they hear, they'll hear from you. I ask this now, Jesus, in your mighty and powerful name, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. City Church was founded in prayer. This great church, the great work of God, the multitudes of people that have been touched by God's spirit, that have said yes to Jesus, that have been water baptized, the, the school that started, the, the youth ministry, the children's programs, all the, the celebrate recovery, all the outreaches and the things that we've done in the last 17 years are a direct result of the prayer of God's people. When I moved from Seattle to Central Florida, God spoke very clearly to my heart that the foundation of our church was to be prayer. As a matter of fact, churches do a lot of things. Churches do a lot of things, but when you read the Bible, what you see the early church doing, the common experience is that they gathered together to pray. They gathered together to pray. Our church was about four months old. I remember this very, very clearly. And we had set the first three days, the first three days, that first Friday, Saturday, Sunday of every single month, we set those aside to pray and fast as a team. And so for the first four years of our church, the first week of every month, the first Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we would fast and pray for our church. On a Friday night, our church was about four months old. There was a handful of us that had gathered together in the living room of our home in Altamont Springs. Our church attendance at that time was about 45 people. We'd come here from Seattle with a couple of other families, and our total was about 11. And, and over the first four or five months, we were able to gather around 45 or 50 people on a Sunday morning worship experience. And I remember one Friday night in my home, it was very, very pronounced. God was speaking to me about his spirit moving in that community and people being born again and saved by the power of the preaching of the gospel and the witness of the church. And so I had a great big map. I had a big map of, of the community of Seminole County, particularly of the Altamont Springs area. Our church was located in the old movie theater there on I-4 and 436. And, and I remember that night we set ourselves to pray. I don't know exactly what happened in that meeting, but somewhere about 20 minutes into that meeting, the intensity of prayer really began to grow. And at the time, there were about 15 or 20 of us in there. And as we were praying, the intensity grew and grew and grew. Many of you have never experienced that kind of prayer. You've never even heard that kind of prayer. But as the volume began to raise, there was something happening in the spiritual realm because we are people created to connect with God and to call upon him. And as we were praying something little, you could almost feel it in the spiritual realm in your heart. You could just feel this pop and it just, bam. 
And the next thing I know is we rolled up that meeting. In the next couple of weeks, we set our heart to do evangelism and outreach in that community. It was like the heavens had opened. Our church literally went from 50 people. This is a true story. Our church went to 50 people after our team went out into the neighborhoods and knocked on doors, invited the people to church. Within the next two weeks, our attendance went from 45 people to 176 people. Come on, give God a big hand. I'm, I'm not making this up. You can ask Hank and Joyce. You can ask my wife. You can ask some of the people that were in that prayer meeting. God did something in our hearts. God ignited a, a passion. And I remember going into this one community. We were knocking on doors. My wife had knocked on the door of this one woman's uh, home. And when she opened the door, she said, you're not going to believe this. She, she was a Catholic woman, and, and she was far from God. She had a little picture of Jesus by her door. It's the picture of Jesus knocking on the door. And, and she said, as I was sitting in my couch, she said, I wish someone could come here and talk to me about Jesus. And she said at that moment, my wife knocked on the door. And when she opened it, she invited her in. And my wife began to share the gospel with her and invited her to church. I remember thinking only God could prepare a heart like that. But the reason that that heart was prepared is because there were people who had set themselves to pray. And so at City Church, our core value, we have some brand new posters that are up on the wall when you walk out on the side uh, exits here, and they have the 10 core values of City Church. And our number one core value is we pray first. We pray first. You see, prayer is the foundation of everything we do at City Church. Prayer is the foundation of everything we do as Christ followers. I love Exodus chapter 33, verse 16. It says, your presence among us sets your people apart from all the other people on the earth. Do you know what sets the kingdom of God, Christ followers, apart from every other major religion? You know what, you know what the presence of God does is that when, that when that divine sense of the reality of Jesus enters a room, he only gathers where, pe where he only comes where people are calling upon his name. It sets us apart from every other major religion. It sets us apart from all the political gatherings and rallies and sporting events. Is that when the people of God gather together, God shows up. And when God shows up, he does incredible and mighty things. At the end of first service last week, many of you missed it, but several people came forward for prayer. Young man came forward, and, and there were about six or seven of you that had responded to the prayer time and at the end of first service last week. And it was, it was one of those, our first service is very tight. We have to turn the service around so that we can fill it for the second service. And, and I got to tell you, I was feeling a lot of pressure not to give an altar call, not to have people come after I spoke about friends bring their friends to Jesus, which I encourage you to do for this first service here. But one of the young men that was standing here was in a bad automobile accident a couple of years ago and it damaged his back. And so I'd had a couple of the worship team members go down and pray. And one of them went down to pray for this young man. And he asked them what the problem was. He says, I can't bend. My back is really, really hurting this morning. And at that moment, the young man laid his hands. Dave Stewart laid his hands on that young man. And the moment he did, he was instantly healed. I, his mother had brought him. I, come on, amen. His mother had brought him because real moms bring their children to Jesus. <laughs> His mother had brought him. And when he walked out that door, he was shouting. I had walked, I had no idea that this had happened. I'd walked out the door and immediately, I mean, the mom was crying and jumping up and down. And we shot a quick video of it. We showed it second service. I got to tell you, prayer works every time it's tried. 
See, too many people try to dismiss prayer. Too many believers try to explain why God doesn't do what he, he do what he desires to do in the hearts of lives. We don't have to figure out all the whys. All we simply have to do when we want to pray is to set our heart to prayer. I, I've been preparing, thinking about how God works in our lives, and I've identified it like at least three different kinds of ways that we pray. One of the ways that we pray, I call it just simple prayers. These are just what Dr. Bill Bright used to call spiritual breathing. We pray as we are going. We pray when we get up. We pray when we're driving down the road. We just, we pray. It's kind of a spiritual in and out. You know, we breathe in. We breathe in a prayer. We exhale. We exhale. We exhale some kind of confession. We breathe in a prayer. Lord, thank you for grace. Lord, I need you today. Right? You do that many times throughout the day in your experience and your walk with God. It's simple. It's not complicated. It's Paul the Apostle, pray without ceasing. That's how you do it. You just, as you are going, you pray. Uh, the second kind of prayer is what I call a spirit prayer. This is a, this is a prayer that's just inspired by the Spirit of God. This is a Romans 8.26. This is a, a spirit that you, a prayer that you can't even quite understand. It's coming right from the innermost part of your being. It's a James 5.16, the effectual, fervent, passionate prayer of a righteous man or, or woman avails much. I mean, these spirit prayers, I, I don't know exactly, I don't know exactly what happens, but I do know when they are released, things begin to move in, in the unseen world. Yesterday, there were quite a few young people in this room, and they were having an encounter with God. It was called Empowerment Day. And one of our little tiny girls, she's 11 years of age, she's been coming to City Church since she was six years, of, uh, six years old. She was brought by one of the women in the church. She, she lives in an apartment complex not too far from here. Her mother has HIV. Her father has AIDS. She's come from a very, very difficult background. And this young lady right here has had a real encounter with Jesus. And yesterday they handed her the mic to pray at the end of this conference. Is that ready to? I want you just to see about 10 or 15 seconds of this little girl, girl crying out to God in prayer. Thank you, God, for this day, God, that you're treating me, that you're using us and putting us into this, God, that you're going to let us go on to school and that we're going to be able to tell your words to other, everybody else in our school, God, that you're not just using us just to be here today and have holy today. It went on and on and on. She prayed. I mean, it came. I don't know where those words came from. Where does a little 10, 11-year-old girl learn how to pray like that? It was a spirit-empowered prayer. And then there's strategic prayers. Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. Now listen to me. Hear me. The disciples knew how to pray. The disciples had grown up in a Jewish culture where they knew rote prayers. They had quoted Psalms chapter 23, Psalms chapter 1. They had prayed the Psalms many, many times. They knew in their synagogues they had certain words that they would say and certain, certain kinds of ways that they prayed. They knew how to pray. But when they met Jesus, they met a man who really knew how to have a divine connection with God. They met a man who knew how to really, really encounter with the creator of the universe. And so they asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. 31 years ago, 31 years ago, I was in Bible college, and I had been asking the Lord to teach me how to pray. The Bible college that I attended in 1985, there was a real move of God in that church for prayer. 
their prayer meetings before the service. They would have an hour prayer meeting, and there would be 1,000, 1,500 people every service gathered together to pray. It was an amazing experience that I had. I remember the first time I walked in, I couldn't believe it. I had never heard that many people pray like that. And what had happened is that God had begun to move in the hearts of the people of that church and the leadership team. And at that time, there was an emphasis across America. Could the Lord challenge his disciples? You remember in the garden, could they not pray for an hour? And there was this pattern that was developed. There was this pattern that was being preached across America. And at that time, something gripped my heart. And from that day, I've been basically following this pattern in my prayer time. This is not a rote memory. This is not something that you just learned as a child. This is an emphasis. This is a way that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And do you think if Jesus taught his disciples how to pray this way, it'd be a good thing for us to learn how to pray the way that Jesus taught? Come on. Do you want God? Do you want to see God move? Do you want to see God in your family do the things that only God can do? You see, our natural bent is not to pray. Our natural bent as Americans is to figure it out ourselves, is, is to intellectualize it, is to, is to dismiss the supernatural work that only God can do. And so I want you to take this prayer card, and I'm going to walk through this prayer card with you, but just a couple of things I want you to remember this morning as you begin to develop and grow in your prayer life with God. First, you must believe. First, you must believe that God is going to hear and answer your prayers. First, you must believe. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6 says something like this. It says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God earnestly rewards people who will seek him in prayer. So first thing is faith. When you pray, believe. Believe that God hears and God answers. Now the answer might not be your answer. But the answer will be an answer because God answers the cries and the prayers of his people. The second thing that you got to have happen in your life today is you can't have any unforgiveness. This will block your prayers. This will, it's not that God won't hear you. It's that God can't release his miraculous power in your life if you have unforgiveness towards yourself, unforgiveness towards God, or towards God, or, towards God or anyone else. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this in Mark's gospel, chapter 11, verse number 25. The Bible says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. If you want to hear, have God hear your prayers, you got to release. You can't hold any unforgiveness, any bitterness. Bitterness and resentment towards other people, towards God, or unforgiveness in your own life will block God from working and doing what he wants to do in your life. Listen, even Jesus, the Bible says when he went back to his own town, even Jesus couldn't do miracles because the people didn't believe. What was it? They had unforgiveness in their life. And so Jesus begins to teach his disciples how to pray. Very first thing that Jesus says is, Our Father who in heaven. So how do we pray? The very first thing that we do is we enter into a relationship, God, with praise and thanksgiving. We come before God with praise and thanksgiving. We just say, God, I worship you. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the work that you've done in my life. We just begin to worship God for who he is. Hebrews chapter 13 says, through Jesus, therefore, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, our Father. 
We begin to thank God that we have access to him because of what Jesus did. Do you know that you have access to the creator of the universe today because of Jesus? Because that Jesus came and gave his life and died on the cross. And on the third day rose from the dead. And he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you my spirit, the same spirit that's in me, that raised me from the dead. He's going to come and live in you. So we can come today and have access to this creator God, the God who made all, the God who knows all, the God who's all loving, all powerful, all caring, all benevolent. That God we have access to today. Come on, amen. And then listen to what he says here. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Holy, to be revered, is the name of God. You know, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, they were so afraid of violating the command of not taking the Lord's God's name in vain as they would never even mention his name. They would never even actually say the name of God. They would describe God in different words. As a matter of fact, there's at least seven different Hebrew words. And one of the things that I do when I pray, I actually follow this prayer card right here. And I go through those seven Hebrew names. The first one is Je Jehovah Teniskanu. He is the God who is our righteousness. I thank God that he's forgiven me of my sins. I mean, I thank him today. I thank you that the God of heaven, because of Jesus, forgives me. And I, I thank him that he's the Jehovah God who sanctifies. He's a Jehovah God who is my peace. He's a Jehovah God who is there. These are all names or characteristics of the work of God in our life. He's the God who is always there for us. He's the Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals all of our diseases. I thank God that he still heals today. I thank you that he heals my body, my soul, my mind. He's the Jehovah Jireh. He's the God who is my provider. He's the Jehovah Nisi, the God who is my banner. He's the Jehovah Rohi. The Psalms 23, he is the God who is my shepherd. He's my source today, and I thank him for that. I thank the Father that he is those things to me. And then I come, and representative in the name of, the, of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord being the Father, Jesus being the Son. And I thank Jesus the Son. I take just a few minutes and do this. I say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are the bread of life. Thank you that you are the Lamb of God. Thank you that you are the light of the world. Thank you, Jesus. All the benefits. John describes so many benefits of Jesus, who Jesus is in our life. And I take a moment to thank him. And then finally, the Christos, the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. You know, the word Christ and the Greek is the Messiah, anointed one. And that's the Holy Spirit that's in us. And I thank the Holy Spirit that I can come to the Father because of Jesus. And I begin to thank the Holy Spirit that he empowers me. You have right on your little prayer, prayer wheel here, it says Christ, the Holy Spirit. And God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power and love by his Spirit today. He's commissioned you to preach the gospel. He, he's given you the goal to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He, he's, in, he's enabled you to be victorious in your battle against the enemy. He's helping you today. The Holy Spirit is helping you to live the priority of loving people, to operate, to release the spiritual gifting that God has given to you today. And so I begin to thank him. And then the next thing we move into is the, the prayer of purpose and authority. We move into the understanding that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the kingdom, the, the word kingdom there is the rule or the reign or the authority of God. And so we come before the Father acknowledging him today that, that it's his kingdom. This, these worlds are not owned by man. 
The, the largest real estate owner in the world doesn't own that land. It's God's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so we begin to pray. One of the Psalms says that we're to pray for Jerusalem. So one of the first things that I do is I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalms 122. God, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You said, for those that love this city, as we pray for this city, God will cause it to prosper. And so we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so I, I pray over, the, just like these things that are listed in your list, I pray over these prophetic things that Scripture declares. God wants people saved. And I begin to pray for God to save people. First Timothy chapter 2 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. God's commanded us to pray for people and to intercede on their behalf and to give them thanks. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. So I pray for our government. I pray for the leaders, whether you like the president or love the president, whether you like your congressman or love your congressman, whether you like your, your senator or, or hate your senator. I, I, I got to tell you today, the Bible's commanded us to pray for those who are in authority for, over us. If we want to live a peaceful and quiet life, we're coming up on a big election, right? And all of us have opinions about who should be president. And you know what we pray? God, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, God has a divine plan. God didn't all get messed up. One guy ends up in office and God starts to fret and worry. Oh, no, I'm not going to be able to work this big plan that I have out. No, 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 no. God is in control. And so we pray for his kingdom to come. We pray for his will to be done. We pray over our families. I pray over my boys. I pray over my children. Before my boys were born, they were in their mother's womb. I, I prayed over them. I pray, God, I thank you that you're going to help us to raise champions for you. God, I pray, I pray over my family today. I pray for my sisters and their children. Come on. I was thinking the other day, man, if I don't pray for my family, I have nieces and nephews and relatives that are far from God. I have cousins who, who despise the name of Jesus. I guarantee if I don't pray for them, there's no one else that's going to pray for them. And we're commissioned by God to pray. And so I pray for my family. I pray for our church. Pray that God will give us boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ boldly. The early church, the Bible says, they said, Now, Lord, look on your threats and grant to your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal with signs and wonders that may be done through the holy name of your servant Jesus. And so we pray his kingdom come, his will be done, nothing more and nothing less. And then we pray for God's provision. A lot of us know this one. A lot of us know how to pray for God's provision, but I got to tell you, before you get the provision, you thank him for what he's already given to you. And Jesus said, pray this way. Pray this way that God would provide your daily bread. Martin Luther said, the daily bread refers to everything in your physical realm, your housing, your homes, your clothes, everything that you have. You ask God. So he said, well, I don't need to ask God to go get those things. You know what? The moment you ask God for those things is that you're putting God in first place. The moment you say, oh, I had the money to buy that and I could do whatever I want. Yeah, you can go and do that. But the moment you ask God to provide for your daily bread, you're putting him in right position. The moment you write your tithe check, you give God your first 10%. You know what you're saying? God, I trust you. I thank you that you're my source. You're my provider. Not my job, not the government, not the people that I'm going to serve today, not my practice, not my business. God, you are my source today. We thank God today and we come to him and we ask him for daily bread. 
Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says, Jesus said, therefore, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? After all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things, but seek first the kingdom. And so when you ask God for provision, you're seeking first his kingdom. The promise to the church at Philippi is that I will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And so we're asking God, we're thanking God that he provides everything that we have need of. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is a verse of provision. I thank God. I thank God today that I can freely give. Paul was admonishing the church at Corinth who was supporting believers who were poor, who had need. And look what he says to them. And God is able. God is able. One translation says, God will bless you abundantly. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Do you know why God wants to bless you today? I mean, the blessing of God isn't for you to contain so that you can just get more. God gives us more. God gives us more. When we put God in first place of our life, when we put him in first place, God gives us more so that we can be a blessing. The promise of God to Abraham is that I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. We believe this today. I practice this in my own life. I love to give. I live to give. I was telling someone earlier this week, I, I remember the moment that I got saved. I, this whole thing of giving was, wasn't complicated for me. It wasn't. Giving God my first 10% was easy because I knew where I used to spend my money. And I thought, my God, giving him 10% was way cheaper than giving the bartender 20% or 30% of my paycheck on a Friday night after I got paid. And giving God 10%, and I, I fell in love with giving. And I just started buying meals for people. And I, I, I remember when I was a little tiny boy, I was about 11 years of age. We had no food in our house. I mean, my mom was making beans every night for dinner. And I was so frustrated and so mad at my father for not providing. I was so angry inside. I went into my bedroom and I said, God, if you really love us, God, we need food in our house. I remember, I mean, it was like yesterday that this happened. Within the next few minutes, there was a knock on the door. This man come to our door with two bags of groceries and he gave it to our family. And I remember from that day, I never doubted that God would provide my needs. I haven't just bought a few meals. I told the guy, I don't even know. I buy meals all the time. I buy, I love to give. Jesus is the bread of life. He's your provider today. If I can encourage you in any area, trust God today, begin with praise. Begin to take purpose and authority in your prayer life. Begin to pray like your prayers make a difference. And then begin to ask God, God provide so that I can be a blessing and provide for other people. And then the fourth thing is we ask God to forgive us our sins as we forgive people who, who sin against us. Pray for right relationships. Pray for right relationships. There's nothing worse in life than having broken relationships with other people. And God wants to heal relationships. God, forgive me my debts. Forgive me my sins. I always ask God to cleanse me. 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, he says, if we say we don't have sin, we're liars and the truth is not in us. We've all sinned and fallen short. And then it says, but if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. If you forgive men their trespasses, if you forgive men their trespasses, your Father will forgive your trespasses. And so we ask for God 
to have a clear conscience before all people. You know what it's like to be in a relationship or have a friend that you feel awkward around and you can't talk to? You know why that is? Because there's unforgiveness there. There's something that's been said. There's been criticism. There's been some kind of judgment made. And you don't have that freedom just to freely talk to that other individual. And God wants to release you from that today. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then number five, we enter into spiritual warfare. This morning, there was a group of people. They were praying for this service. We believe that there is real, a real live spiritual attack against the lives of God's people. We realize that there's a real live enemy that's come to seek and to destroy those whom he may, whom he may will. First Peter said he's like a roaring lion. He desires to destroy people's life. Jesus said the thief has come to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. And so we begin to pray warfare prayers. And as you engage in spiritual warfare, first for your own life, Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, against the attacks of the evil one. The, the, the enemy desires to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children. And so as spiritual beings, we equip ourselves spiritually. The, the, the Roman centurion's uh, uh, imagery here that Paul uses is very poignant. It's very powerful. He talks about putting on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, having the mind of Christ, the loins girded about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith that quenches every fiery dart of the evil one, the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit. You begin to pray, God, by your Spirit today, let your word reign powerfully in my life. You begin to resist the enemy. When Satan came to Jesus to tempt him, you know how he defeated him? He defeated him with the Word of God. It's why you got to get the Word inside of you. It's why you take just some time every day and say, God, I mean, just get one verse. Get one verse. Get one thought from God. and Begin to use that in your spiritual armor today. And so we put on, we pray for spiritual victory. We resist the devil. John Piper says this, All pleasure in this life is a test from God, laced with temptation from Satan. We will idolize this pleasure or thank God for it and consider him as more valuable than our pleasure. He went on to say, Job was tested with calamities in every way. Satan wanted to turn God's allowed test into a temptation to curse God and die. And the only way that you can win spiritually in your life is to understand that you have spiritual weapons that are available to you and believe in faith. Paul the Apostle told the church at Rome, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not just, you're not just at the whims of the enemy to, to just go whatever way he wants you to go. God's given you spiritual victory and power. And so we put on the full armor of God so that we give no place to the devil. And then he says, your kingdom come. And then he says, yours be the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. And we say, amen. We say, amen. So be it, Lord. So be it. All these things. Man, this is what's happened to me. Happened so many times. I start to just work through this. I start to pray this pattern of Jesus. And I just can't even get off the praise and thanksgiving. I can spend 25 minutes just thanking God. But I want you to hear this today. It's not that you go through every part of this prayer card. 
But what I want to challenge you today, I want to give you some practical steps to increase your prayer life. First thing, if you're not used to praying, man, don't try to go for an hour. Don't try to go for an hour. As a matter of fact, you'll, you'll end up what happens to me many times when I set out to pray. The next thing I know, I find that I, my, my eyes are looking for pinholes inside of my, you know, inside of my eyelids. Don't try for an hour off the bat. Just take a few minutes. Make prayer first the priority of your life. And the way that you do this is to pray about everything. I mean, literally, pray before you're, you're sending your kids to school. I, I drove my kids to school. I remember I drove my oldest son and my youngest son to Oviedo High School. Eight straight years, I drove those boys to school every single day. And I can tell you, I can tell you every day, I didn't care if it was a five-second prayer as they were grabbing their bags to try to get out the door to make it to class on time. I prayed over my boys every single day. If their mom took them, she prayed over them every single day. Pray over your meals. Some of you aren't accustomed to pray over your meals. It seems so basic for many people. But pray over your meals. I mean, when you get up in the morning, when you go to work, thank God. Thank God that you got a job. Too many people complain and they cuss and they, they worry and they're frustrated and they're angry. I mean, just, just practice this. Just go to your job and just begin to thank God for it. Begin to bless the people that you work with. Begin to pray for your boss. Begin to take just a couple of moments. Your kids are going out to play a ball game. Pray for them before they go out to the ball game. Yesterday, my son went to the beach. Trust me, every time my son goes to the beach, I pray. I pray, God, protect him, keep him. Pray, pray first. Make prayer a priority in your life. The second thing is, and I love this, pray in your Bible with one hand and an open mouth with before God in the other. In other words, pray the Bible. What a powerful thing for you to do is to open the scriptures. Find promises of God that relate to your specific issue or problem. If it's an area of forgiveness, if it's your marriage, if it's finances, if it's whatever the issue is, fine. There's so many tools and, that are available to you online today through version or through Bible apps. You can Google all the verses in the Bible, 358 verses in the Bible on prayer. You can read every single one. Say, God, teach me how to pray. I got, the last thing is get around people that know how to pray. Get around, if you want to learn how to pray, get around other people that know how to pray. And that's what we're going to do this morning. That's exactly what we're going to do this morning. I want you to stand with me. Before we leave this place today, we're going to make this place a place of prayer. And so I want you to take your prayer card. Just take your prayer card right now with me, okay? You guys just leave the house lights up just for a moment or they won't be able to see. I want you to take your prayer card. And I want you to take just a moment. We're not going to do this long, just a minute or two, but I want you to take this card. And I want you just, the very first thing, I want you to begin to thank the Father. Come on, just right now, just begin to thank him. You can read through that quickly there. But let's take just a moment and let's practice this. Let's pray through this this morning. Father, we thank you today that you're the God of heaven, that holy is your name. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you're my source today. You're the Lamb of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live and dwell in me and have given me access to the Father because of what Jesus has done. Thank you that you commissioned me. Thank you that you've anointed me to preach the gospel. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that your kingdom is coming and your will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray for my family today. God, I pray that you will strengthen them, give them grace. God, help them in their work and in their school. Pray for my son and his marriage. God, I pray for my wife today. I pray for Laura today. I, I thank you, Lord, for the work of your spirit, for your divine protection over her. 
pray for the church today, Lord. God, we pray, God, that you will strengthen this church. God, that you will truly teach us how to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're my source, that you provide everything that we have need of today. Thank you that you're my provider. Thank you, Lord, that you give daily bread. Lord, help me to be in the will of God and my work habits and my discipline. God, I pray that everything I put my hand to, you would cause to prosper. I thank you for that today, Jesus. God, I release any unforgiveness. God, I thank you that you forgive me and cleanse me. God, I thank you that I will have a clear conscience before you and before all people. God, that I will harbor no ill will. There'll be no unforgiveness, no bitterness in my heart towards any man or any person. Jesus, I thank you today, Lord. God, I thank you that you give us victory over the evil one. Thank you that you lead us not into temptation, but you deliver us from the evil one today. And God, I pray that in this service right now, God, that there'll be a great revelation that you're the God that gives us victory today. God, we put on the full armor. We resist the enemy today. We resist the devil and he will flee. God, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And we love not our life even unto death. We love you, Jesus. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.